Hi everyone, this is Deb from Dying to be Found. Before we get started, I just wanted to say that episodes contain disturbing discussions on harmful acts and crimes against animals and or humankind. Recordings are not intended for young or sensitive audiences due to the content nature of this podcast. Listener discretion is strongly advised. You are all giggly today. I am, because I am I had a great day. Goody! Are you going to tell us about it? Well, after you introduce us. Okay. <laughs> Hi everyone, this is Deb. And I'm Beth. As always, we appreciate you joining us, so thanks so much for being here today. If you have a storyline you would like to hear, look at our show notes to view our link tree, where you can view our website, social media, and even to place a storyline request. And Beth, I'm going to tell you the requests are starting to roll in. Nice. Yeah, absolutely. To our listeners, you should be hearing those in just a couple of weeks. We absolutely appreciate your feedback, so keep those requests coming. As usual, we are going to check in with Beth. How are you today, Bethy Boo? I'm great. I'm having a great day, and that's why I'm so smiley. I've spent the day in my art room. Uh, I looked over at a chair that I'm painting, so after I was done a little bit with my card making, I took my chair out and sanded it all after the first coat. Refinishing furniture. Yeah, I guess so. I can't wait to see it because you're so artistic. Thank you. I found a Mandela online from a, like a coloring page. Yeah, you can you can just Google coloring pages and you can print out pages to color. Oh, I've seen that. Adult coloring is super popular. Yeah, I've seen actually those books in multiple different stores. I never really see the markers to go with it. I think I gave Kathy one of those one year and she was using the heck out of it. I think it's good for stress relief, isn't it? It is. I find that coloring really relaxes me. I use my pencil crayons and an odorless mineral spirit. And that blends your pencil crayon and your colors together so you get your shading and highlighting and you don't see the strokes in the pencil crayon. That is going above and beyond adult coloring, Beth. I've never heard of that, but (laughs) it sounds fascinating. Well, Sarah, I taught her and she said, I don't think I'm going to have the patience to do this. Next thing I know... She is winning a contest when she went back. And as an adult, there was a contest going on. She won a contest. What? Awesome, Sarah. Congratulations. (laughs) I love it. Well, what else is going on? Anything? Not really. Okay, I wanted to touch on a couple things before we get started today because we've been talking about our love for the outdoors throughout our episodes. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to ask you what you like about it. Well, right now in the fall, it's nice to smell the fall air and it feels very relaxation. And as we were talking earlier about relaxation, Mm -hmm. that's what it gives me. And I think it gives you peace too. Oh gosh, yes. Absolute peace. I love that. Great description, Beth. Well, do you remember when we were growing up, there were a couple folklores out there that spoke of the Loch Ness Monster and Bigfoot? Do you remember those? For sure. We're going to talk about Bigfoot today. We are. Yes, we are. For our listeners, Bigfoot is also known as Sasquatch. I know you've heard these words, Beth, so I'm trying to put this into context for you and our listeners. The meaning behind Sasquatch is defined as a wild man and 
If you've seen any pictures of Bigfoot or Sasquatch, you can see that it's much larger than the average human being. It sure is. I watch it on TV whenever I see an episode on uh, Bigfoot. Cool. You watch those shows often? Yes, because I believe in that kind of stuff. I was going to ask you, well, let me just tell you that Bigfoot or Sasquatch has been sighted mainly in North America, specifically to the Western regions in Canada and the United States. So I'm thinking, Beth, that we are safe from Bigfoot. Ooh, thank goodness. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what you've seen on Bigfoot, but it's in the Western region. We're in the Eastern region. I wanted to throw in there that Bigfoot is also known as Yeti or the Abominable Snowman. Think back to Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. I watch it every year. The difference between the identifiers, I suppose, are that Yeti is over in the Himalayan mountain region, which separates Asia from the Indian subcontinent. Don't know if you've looked at the map lately, but I looked at that today because I wanted to make sure you and our listeners were getting a really good history lesson today. I think I need it. I haven't read my map lately. Do you know where Mount Everest is? I was thinking it was in the States. Where is it? It's in the Himalaya mountains. It separates China from the Indian subcontinent. Oh. Believe it or not, this would be something I'm familiar with because I told you before I, I've read that book, Into Thin Air. Yes. And it was about mountain climbers that got stuck in a huge snowstorm. Mm-hmm. Of course, me being me, whenever I read anything historical, I have to look stuff up at the exact same time that I'm reading it. And that's how I knew it was in the Himalayas. I'm sure I learned that way back in the day, but you know, over time, you don't remember these things. Especially at our age. Oh, goodness. Before we get started, since we were talking about camping, do you ever hear anything outside your camper at night? Uh, we actually hear coyotes. Nothing else? Nothing lurking around the trees or anything? Not from where we are. All right. Today, we're going to talk about Teresa Ann Beer. This is a story about a 16-year-old girl who went on a camping trip and, according to her companion, was taken away by Bigfoot himself. That is really crazy. It is. It gets a little crazy, Beth. Let's start by talking about Teresa's early life. Mm-hmm. She was born on April 16th of 1971 to Shirley and David Beer in Fresno, California. Just as many cases before her, Beth, Teresa grew up in a highly unstable environment. Her mother, Shirley, suffered from mental illness and David suffered from PTSD from the Vietnam War. So I know that's got to be tumultuous to a small child growing up in that kind of household. Teresa was abused as a child and mostly by her mother. For example, Beth, when Teresa was only three years old, Shirley took Teresa's leg and wrapped it around one of the slats in her crib and twisted it until Teresa's leg was broken. Oh, that is so awful. I don't even know how somebody thinks to do something like that. I know. What's your earliest memory? When I was roughly two and a half to three years old, when we dad was stationed in Germany and we lived there, I have a couple of uh, memories from that. Like when dad took me 
in a wheelbarrow and push me along with turnips in it. And Do you have a picture of that? That sounds so cute. I don't know. I'll have to look. Aw. Well, I wanted to jump in and just say that I remember being around that age as a toddler, being in the crib, because Kathy and I shared a room pretty much our entire life. Mm-hmm. But when she was in the big girl bed, I was still in a crib. And I remember specifically, I would say somewhere around the same age that Teresa was, I remember scooting out of that crib and getting in the bed with Kathy. I cannot imagine. I never fell out. I never hurt myself. But I cannot imagine having my leg wrapped around that slat. That is so horrific. That poor, poor child. How do you do that exactly very weird another time Teresa suffered broken ribs by the hand of her mother obviously social services at this point had been called in and Teresa along with her siblings were eventually placed into foster care for a small amount of time Shirley and David eventually split up I can imagine why mm-hmm. and Teresa ended up being passed around between multiple family members for the next couple years first david her father did try to take teresa back for a little while but by this period of time he had eventually remarried and teresa's stepmother wasn't very receptive of taking her in Mm, that's so common it is i've never been a step parent so i don't know what it's like to take a child in but i will say i know what it's like to be thrown into a step family situation and in our case we were not the brady bunch Teresa's stepmom would often lock the refrigerator and proceed to sit down in front of Teresa all while eating whatever she wanted to eat out of the refrigerator, just letting Teresa watch. That is child abuse. Yes, it is, for sure. Teresa was eventually passed around to various family members, including her great-grandmother, then on to her uncle Johnny, who was apparently married to a prostitute at the time. How about that? Not good. Nope. Well, their living conditions obviously were not the greatest, and Johnny's wife would often make Teresa babysit her boys while she went to go turn tricks around the neighborhood. That's horrible. No mother figure there. No, absolutely not. Johnny was not overlooked, by the way. He was well known enough to have a nickname amongst law enforcement. He was often referred to by the Fresno police as Blind Johnny. Not really sure what that means because I really couldn't read too much into that. And he often received and resold stolen goods out of his home. Uncle Johnny also reportedly molested Teresa at some point and get this bath allowed some of his friends to do the same thing from time to time. Oh my gosh, that is so sick. It is, and oh my gosh, poor Teresa. One of Johnny's friends was named Russell Welch, and he went by the name of Skip. So for the duration of our podcast today, Beth, I'm going to refer to Russell as Skip. He was an outdoor enthusiast, just like us, who had a healthy obsession of Bigfoot just like one of us. (laughs) So much so that he claimed to have seen the creature himself numerous times, Beth, during many of his trips up into the mountains camping. What are your thoughts on that? I don't know. Was he on drugs? Are you reading ahead? I'm not reading ahead. I promise. (laughs) I want everything to be fresh so you can get my real reactions. (laughs) I love it. Listen, I'll get into that in just a little bit, but I will say 
that Skip was a 43-year-old man. Do you remember how old Teresa is? No. 16. Okay. Skip was 43 and lived off of food stamps and disability checks. Honestly, there's nothing wrong with that. That's what those programs are there for. So I'm not dogging that he's living that way. But Beth, he was also addicted to meth, which might explain, like you inferred, that some of the tall stories that he had come up with. And I will say a side note, I had to look this up because I had no idea that meth was this old. Did you? No. I thought it just came around probably within the last couple decades. An interesting tale. We had just a couple kilometers from us or perhaps two miles. There was another apartment building. It had a big fire and a little bit of an explosion. And apparently there was a meth lab being used in that apartment. Wow. I've had uh, neighborhoods raided before for having marijuana in their basement. And it's not legal here, so... (laughs) It is here, in Ontario anyways. I had no idea. Is it really? We have so many little stores where you can buy it, netables. What? I had no idea. Mm Mm-hmm. They legalized it. All right, let's go back to this methamphetamine. According to the History Channel, meth was introduced in Japan way back in 1893. Again, I had no idea. Me neither. Its street terms are also known as crank and crystal meth or speed. Hmm. In early years, it was used to treat narcolepsy, asthma, and to help lose weight. Even during World War II, Beth, meth was used to keep the military troops awake, but it was soon found to be very addictive, so it became illegal only in 1970. So back to Skip. He was a self-professed Bigfoot expert and often spoke with his friends or acquaintances of Sasquatch sightings in the Sierra Nevada mountains located between the Central Valley region and the basin inside of California. In fact, Skip considered himself to be a student of the legend itself. Intriguing, isn't that? Very. And stop using my word, intriguing. Okay. I assume that this means that Skip researched Bigfoot as much as you and I research on our podcast. Mm -hmm. Over the Memorial Day weekend, which is the last weekend in May, back in 1987, Teresa confided in her friends that she planned on going camping with a guy she just met. His name happened to be Skip. Remember, he's 43 years old and she's 16. Okay. I do want to mention that Teresa was diagnosed with learning disabilities and had a slow or immature mental capacity for her age. And I mention this because I really feel, Beth, that Skip had taken advantage of this to lure Teresa into the mountains. So he's probably embellishing the story of Bigfoot to get her attention. And I will say that I remember when I was growing up, I was quite mesmerized by that folklore. So wouldn't she be as well? Exactly. He talked in depth about Bigfoot, and I thought there was a couple different things that were worth mentioning about Bigfoot. Since I've given you the geographic location and the names behind them, I wanted to give you a little bit more information about the folklore behind Bigfoot. Yes, I'd like to hear that. You're the expert here, so maybe you can tell me if it's correct or not. (laughs) 
<laughs> According to Native American folklore, Bigfoot would abduct children or women if the opportunity presented itself. Some tribes believe that Bigfoot has a cannibalistic nature. In contrast, other tribes believe that Bigfoot is strongly motivated by love and very nurturing. What are your thoughts there? What do you know about it? I believe that it's motivated not necessarily by love, but is nurturing. Okay. Back in 1924, a survivalist by the name of Albert Ostman, a Canadian lumberjack, claimed to have been taken from his campsite in British Columbia by Bigfoot and was held captive amongst the man-beasts for six days before he was able to escape. What? Another man, a Nootka tribe member named Mushalai Harry, also claimed to have been abducted by a large man-like animal back in 1928, presumably to become a suitor of one of the female members of the Sasquatch tribe, or, on the flip side, to become their next meal. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Is that a little bit out there, you think? Yes. Maybe he was on meth. Yes, I agree there. Well, Mushalot Harry said that they soon lost interest in him and let him go. Yeah. Well, let me just tell you this, though. A Catholic priest named Father Anthony Terrar went so far as to vouch for Mushalot Harry and stated that he had nursed him back to health for three weeks after Harry presented as weak and insane. So he just showed up out of the blue and Father Terrar started caring for him. He also stated that during his treatment, Harry's hair had turned snow white and he refused to ever leave his village again to earn his living as the trapper and outdoorsman that he was before his capture. So there might be a little bit of truth about that. Possibly. I don't know. I'm not sure. There may be something that got him really freaked out, but if it was, it certainly wasn't being held by Sasquatch for all those weeks. That's never been reported, and it's only been quote-unquote sightings. That is so true. You have a great point there. Realistically, when was the last time you ever heard of a Sasquatch sighting? It's been a very long time. I don't think I've heard of one since I was a kid. My thoughts with that are that when we were growing up, we still had a lot of outdoor play in the woods and we really used our imagination. Today, there are so many distractions and Bigfoot was definitely a folklore that we considered during our upbringing. But today, I'm not so much because it's been a really, really long time since I've heard about Bigfoot being sighted. Mm -hmm. All right. The plan for Teresa and Skip was to go out to hunt in the Shut-Eye Peak, an area that Skip bragged of often, citing Bigfoot himself. And I wanted to mention that before this trip, Skip's own daughter, Chandra, stated that Skip had visited her on June 5th. Now, remember, this is right after the Memorial Day weekend, which is the last weekend in May. And shortly thereafter, Chandra had seen Skip before his outing with this girl, he did have a girl with him. And Chandra states that she was somewhere around Teresa's age. Looking back, Chandra does highly believe that it was her. Chandra states that she told Teresa to stay away from her father because he had a history of luring young girls into the mountains by offering drugs. Wow. So the daughter knows, eh? Yeah. 
A 17-year-old girl by the name of Michelle Ryan told authorities that she had previously been lured into the mountains by Skip with stories of Bigfoot. Hmm. And during her trip with Skip, Michelle believes that she was drugged. However, she had a little bit of foresight and for some reason she had taken a couple of male friends along and she believes this is what saved her life. I don't know how long she was out there, but she did have people with her. So Skip wasn't given any opportunity. Good. We're going to kind of backtrack just a couple days before Chandra was interviewed on June 1st of 1987. Uncle Johnny received a call from Teresa's school stating that she had not shown up that day. He thought that this was a little odd because he had just seen Teresa that morning getting ready for school. Naturally, he thought she was skipping told the school officials that Teresa was homesick that day and figured that he would probably take care of Teresa himself when he saw her. She was going to be in trouble. Yep. You ever skip school, Beth? Only once in my life, and I felt so guilty. I skipped the last day of school before Christmas break. Everybody did. And during the holidays, I ended up telling on myself. I told Mom. Did you get in trouble? No, because I was honest and I told her I would never do it again. And I didn't. Okay. Did you skip? I really honestly didn't skip until my last month of my senior year. I was a good girl too, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Nice one, Deb. Johnny spent the next several hours looking for Teresa himself and discovered that she may have gone off with his buddy Skip. No pun intended, eh? (sighs) By the end of the day, around 9.30 that night, Johnny eventually reported Teresa missing. And I'm glad that he did that, Beth. Yes. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and talk about the excursion that Teresa and Skip went on. As it turns out, Teresa had taken off with Skip Welsh on June 1st, 1987, and they eventually made their way up into the Sierra Nevada mountains and set up camp in the Shuddai Peak, like I had mentioned. This is about 25 miles or 40.23 kilometers northeast of Bass Lake. Mm -hmm. For those listeners who know that area, I don't, but I wanted to throw that in there so people can visualize. Eyewitnesses stated that Skip lured Teresa into his camping trip by his charismatic personality and those stories of personal encounters with Bigfoot. Skipping forward to June 5th, the day that Chandra had been interviewed, Skip resurfaced and told friends that Teresa was last seen at 7.20 p.m., four days earlier on that day that he took her up into the mountains. One eyewitness stated that Skip had shown up at her house likely high on something and stated that he did indeed take a girl up into the mountains, but a satanic group had kidnapped her. That's crazy. Well, if he's on drugs, Beth, I'm sure that he had hallucinations. Yeah. While the satanic group still had Teresa in Skip's presence, he witnessed her physically changing into something that was all white in color. What, like a ghost? What the heck? Yeah. During this investigation, one of Skip's relatives stated that Skip had told them that a girl needed to be sacrificed to the devil and she needed to be taken to Ghost Canyon up in those mountains. I don't know. Do you report something like that? If, But then maybe they would just... Shock it off as hallucinations and tall stories that he's used to telling, sort of like the boy that cries wolf? Yes. 
or in this case, Bigfoot. That's right. All right. Well, obviously things weren't adding up and Skip was eventually arrested. Police used this opportunity to visit his mother's home in Fresno, California, where he was staying. And they came up with some charges to go ahead and arrest him on the spot. Yes. During his arrest, Skip spoke freely and openly about Bigfoot living in those mountains where he liked to camp. He also stated that these creatures were highly intelligent and knew how to stay hidden in the mountains. What do you know about your research? Are they highly intelligent? They have never actually been able to find one. They've only seen the footprints and they would follow them. And there would be a little sighting, but from very far away. And they're very skittish of people. Okay, like a feral cat. Yes. Like I have on my front porch right now. That I'll tell you about another day. Stop feeding it. Oh, that's not going to happen. But <laughs> Skip went on to say that he communicated with Bigfoot frequently. Okay, cool. Probably because every time he hallucinates, he's probably having that conversation with himself. Never thought of that, but that's a good point. I mean, if you're going to see something like that, I don't know. It's crazy. When questioned about Teresa's whereabouts, Skip stated that he had dropped her off at school. Now, okay, going in a completely different direction, right? However, he changed his story to say that Teresa cut class to spend the day with him up in the mountains as originally motivated, I suppose, right? Mm-hmm. Once they arrived to their destination, Teresa immediately ran off into the woods with a friend. These are just the little things he's coming up with. Satanic cult. Teresa just took off as soon as they got there to find a friend. Really? Up in the mountains? Yeah, that doesn't sound plausible. Mm -mm. Another version of the story that Skip told was how Teresa left on her own to track down Bigfoot herself. Because that makes a lot of sense, eh? A young teenager out in the remote area of the mountains that she is not familiar with. I'm just going to say, oh, Skippy-Doo, you are tripping. Right. Skip also mentioned that he and Teresa had gone for a hike in the hopes of sighting Bigfoot, but the two of them became separated along their journey. Is this when she ran off to find her friend? Probably. Skip then stated that Teresa had been abducted by Bigfoot himself. And last of all, Skip said that Teresa decided to stay up in the mountains to live with the nurturing Bigfoot and his tribe. That's where I chime in, liar, liar, pants on fire. I mean, so many different versions. Yeah. He's digging his own grave there. Absolutely. Well, he said that was okay because she would have been much happier up there in the mountains living with this super intelligent being. All right, now we're going to jump over to the interview after Skippy-Doo has been arrested. Police listened to what Skip had to say about Teresa's disappearance. During his interview, Skip showed no emotion, but offered the fact that Teresa was never sexually abused on their outing. Why? That, again, in itself is random. Hmm. Within hours, Skip did take authorities up to the campsite where he said he had taken Teresa. The campsite consisted of a three foot by eight foot area where pine needles were set on fire and were still smoldering when they got there. I guess my question is, is how soon after his arrest did he voluntarily take authorities out to his campsite where the fire was still smoldering? Yeah. Several blankets were piled up in some sort of formation, a woman's purse, 
bra, t-shirt, and camera were all left at this campsite, along with a picture of Skip playing the guitar and some pictures of Teresa herself. How wholesome uh, having a photo of Skip playing a guitar. Sure, absolutely. Police are obviously smarter than that because when they evaluated the scene, they came to the conclusion that this campsite was staged by Skip and believed that he had taken Teresa elsewhere in the mountains at least 20 miles away. I wonder why they think 20 miles. I don't know, but I'm going to say I I have to agree with the authorities here. It just seems like how convenient that there would be that campsite set up. But I mean, I don't know how they came up with the distance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, regardless, obviously they were not taking anything that Skip had to say with a grain of salt. Now, as far as the aftermath, Skip was eventually arrested and charged for child endangerment and child stealing which would give Skip a maximum of four years in prison. Good, good. And I wanted to tell you what child stealing was, Beth, because I had to go look that up to see what the differences were besides that and kidnapping. It's another word for abducting, which is, in simple terms, concealing someone from their legal guardian when you have no rights to custody. And it's very similar to kidnapping, only it's considered a crime against a parent of the abducted individual and not the victim themselves. So kidnapping would be the victim themselves. Child stealing would refer to the parents. Skip was released on his own recognizance. The child stealing charges were eventually dropped, as were all other charges. Any ideas why? I can't even imagine. Police wanted to save any evidence collected to recharge Skip in the future as opposed to avoiding double jeopardy. Mm, That's right. Now, all charges were dropped just three days before Skip's court date because, again, local police didn't believe that they had enough to charge him and take him to trial. They did recommend a one-year sentence if Skip would sign a waiver stating that they could come after him later if Teresa's body was located. That's unusual, isn't it? I think so. I don't know of anybody, criminal or not, I don't know of anybody who would sign a waiver like that. Makes no sense. Are you going to tell us? Oh, am I going to tell you if he signed it or not? Mm-hmm. What do you think? He probably didn't. No, he did not. Authorities didn't want to charge him and risk that double jeopardy. So, no, he didn't sign it. Hmm. And so they end- ended up having to drop the charges. Ridiculous. Well, that basically is the story, Beth, but... I'm going to give you a little bit of feedback on when Teresa was last seen. She was wearing a white t-shirt, blue jeans, and laced sandals. She had brown hair and hazel eyes. Her front teeth protrude outwards, and she had a surgical scar on her lower leg due to that fracture that I had mentioned where Teresa's mother had wrapped her leg around that slat in the crib. Yeah. She was five foot, five inches tall, and weighed 110 pounds. Today, Teresa would be in her early 50s. Skip died of severe coronary artery disease in March 1998 without ever being charged for Teresa's disappearance. He was 54 years old. Oh, I know you go ahead. I was about to say, I'm glad that he left this earth early. Yes, me too. But it is a shame that he did never got charged. 
And it's a shame that he never gave closure to the family. I just don't understand that. That's right. Closure is so important. Uncle Johnny spoke in later interviews how close he was to his niece. And he eventually died of cancer in 2008. So that's the story of Teresa Ann Beer. I'm going to ask you a question, though, that I asked you when we first got started. Beth, okay. what would you do if you went camping in the woods and you heard a noise outside of your camper at night? I'd be so scared. But would you open the door? No. Not even for a, a bagel? That is a true story, folks. Okay, I'm going to stop you there because I don't want to give anything away to our listeners. But if you go back to our very last episode, you will hear all about Beth opening the door for bagels at 2 a.m. All right, that's the case of Teresa Ann Beer. If you have any information on Teresa's whereabouts today, you can call the Fresno Police Department at 559-621-2541 and reference the case number 8736264. Well, that was quite a crazy Bigfoot story because clearly it's a made-up case. Oh, yeah. And especially with him having hallucinations and being on meth constantly. Right. I understand where you're coming from on that. Absolutely. So, Deb, what's your teachable moment for us today? I am glad you asked, Beth. I mentioned during this episode that Teresa had confided in a friend just a few days before that she was going off with a 40-something-year-old man. Teresa was 16, and I've said that a few times, too. And really, I'm talking to the teenagers out there. Based on my experience, I know that there is a code amongst teenagers. A lot of the time, they protect each other and don't tell adults what's really going on, even if they know that someone is going to be hurt in the interim. So my teachable moment today, Beth, is to speak up, be the voice, and don't be afraid to tell an adult. Teresa never should have been allowed to go off with a man more than twice her age. I don't think anyone was protecting her, but there were at least two or three people who did know that she was associating herself with old Skippy-Doo. They should have told someone way sooner than maybe Teresa may not have succumbed to Skip or, as he claimed, Sasquatch. I know what it's like to be a teenager, Beth. I still have vivid memories, and to hide something from parents is not uncommon for most teenagers. But even at that age, I was ultra-responsible and always did the right thing. It's pretty much like a kid getting his hand caught in the cookie jar, like when you skipped school that day. Repercussions are far less severe if you fess up and tell the truth instead of denying things and getting caught later. Right. My point, Beth, is that if you know something's wrong, report it. I truly believe that if someone spoke up between Memorial Day and June 1st, the year that Teresa disappeared, we would not be reporting this case today. So that's my teachable moment. That's a good one. Thank you very much. No problem. And that's a wrap. That is a wrap. Thanks for listening to Dying to be Found. Before we go, we would love for you to leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. That really does help us in the rankings. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Pinterest at Dying to be Found. You can access our website, email, social media, and storyline request form by clicking on our Linktree account found in our show notes. If you like our episodes, consider buying us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com 
slash dying to be found spelled just like you see it on our logo. Feel free to message us on Instagram and let us know how we're doing. With that, be sure to check us out every Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts, and we will talk to you next week. Bye.